So I have a question to start off with this morning. Who knows what's happening this week around our nation? The plebiscite. What about the plebiscite? They're going to announce the results. That's all right, on Wednesday. So this week's a pretty big week for our country, I think, as, a, as we move towards the, the results of, of the plebiscite, which are due to be released on Wednesday. And so as a leadership, we felt that this was a fairly poignant moment. The votes closed on Friday. The counting has begun. And come Wednesday, as we stand on the edge of a verdict, come Wednesday, all of us are going to find ourselves, I think, challenged in one way or another. Because for some of us, it's going to be the answer that we voted for. And for some of us, it won't be. And I know in this room that we don't all agree. And so automatically, we're put in a spot where we're going to be challenged as a family and as a community about how do we deal with people that we don't agree with and yet love. And so as a leadership, we felt that it was a, a moment in time that we wanted to take an opportunity to speak into. And I drew the card. <laughs> so as I've reflected leading into this space, I really felt like God was saying to us that this is a sailor moment, that it's a moment to pause and it's a moment to reflect And so we're going to take a break from our series in Mark this week, and we'll come back to Mark 16 next week. But as we'll go on, I think even God's had his hand in the timing of that as well, as we finished up chapter 14 and 15, and where we find Jesus at in his journey along the way. I think the question, the biggest question that's on my heart this morning is how do we want to show up in the earth right now? How do we want to show up in our nation right now? What's our job? What's our role? And I believe our role is to point to Jesus and to represent him well. And so that's the space I want to head into this morning. So as we do that, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, Father, for this community of Catalyst Church. Father, I thank you for the family that you have built here. Because, Lord, it's you that builds your church. And Father, I pray this morning, Lord God, that the words that come from my mouth would come straight from your heart. Lord, I pray that you give us not only ears to hear, but hearts to hear your heart this morning, Lord. Father, would you come, would you speak to us? Lord, empty us out of our own agendas and our own opinions, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would speak to each one of us this morning. And Lord, I just pray that you help me to just to speak what's on your heart. Thank you, almighty God, in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, I love Jesus. That might sound like a, you know, something you'd expect for me to say, but it's really true. I think Jesus is amazing. I think the way that Jesus turned up in the earth and engaged with people is absolutely brilliant. He's phenomenal. And as I look at the encounters that he had with people and the way that he changed people's lives or the way that they were changed by interaction with Jesus, I love it. And I go, I want to be like that. And you could go, of course, people were changed by an encounter with Jesus. He healed them and he performed miracles. But, you know, he didn't actually always. Like, I mean, that's the place that we go to. But there's many times that Jesus turns up and he just has an encounter with somebody and it doesn't involve a miracle as such. But just by his presence, just by a conversation with him, their lives are changed. I go firstly to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And most of us would know the story fairly well. And she's at the well. She's there in the middle of the day because she doesn't want to be there when all the other women are there because she's got some stuff going on that she's not particularly proud of. 
And then Jesus comes in the middle of the day and he has a conversation with her. And he speaks truth to her. But then there's this funny thing that happens at the end of the story where she goes running back to the village, running back to the very people that she'd previously been hiding from and goes, I want to tell you about a man that I met who told me everything I'd ever done. And in that moment, she comes out of hiding and it's like she's going, I've had this encounter with this guy and now the things that held me back and I was captive to, I'm free from them and I want to tell you about it. There's a freedom that's come in for her. There's the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a a guy who who came to Jesus and he had questions. And he wasn't afraid to ask Jesus his questions. His questions was about how can I be born again? I'm I'm a grown man. How can I possibly enter my mother's womb again and be born again? And Jesus interacts with him and and teaches him in that space. And they they have this conversation. Then there's other ones like Zacchaeus. I like Zacchaeus. He's pretty cool. Uh, I like his passion and his dedication. He's the one that climbed up the tree because he was short. Hello. Um, And he couldn't quite see. And so he climbs up the tree to to watch what Jesus is doing. And then Jesus comes to him and says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to have dinner with you, mate. I'm going to come and I'm going to eat in your house and we're going to talk. And again, there's no miracle as such. Zacchaeus had obviously heard stories about him and and so forth because Jesus' reputation had preceded him. But Zacchaeus' response is that he's going to give half of his money to the poor and then he's going to pay back four times everybody he's cheated from. So there's this this change that happens just from an encounter with Jesus. And so I want to ask this morning, what happens when we encounter people? If we are Jesus' representative on earth, what happens when we have an encounter with people? What do they find from us? Are they changed by an encounter with us? Are they changed for the good? Do they find joy and hope and peace and freedom when they walk away from a conversation with us? What is it that we actually bring into this space generally? But perhaps even more so what I want to ask is what happens when we disagree? Because generally I find when we start to disagree, there's a couple of things that happen. Firstly, our, com- or our conversations start to change. We stop asking questions. Because when we ask questions, we're asking about the other person and we're inviting them into the conversation. So we stop asking questions and we start doing more of the talking. And we start telling people what we think is right. And so the conversation shifts from being about them to being about us. We start to engage in debates because we want to win. And winning means that the other person needs to change their mind and agree with us. Sadly, we also tend to get angry when people don't agree with us. Some people call it righteous anger or hide behind the phrase righteous anger. Common courtesy goes right out the window. And the name calling begins. And personally, I have been so saddened by the way that I've seen many people on both sides conduct themselves over these past couple of months. And I think my greatest sadness has come from watching some of you guys and the few, time, few posts I've seen on Facebook where some of our younger people have chosen to make a stand and the onslaught that they've received has been quite sad. James chapter 1 
talks a lot about the tongue. Most of us probably know the, the passages of Scripture. That's, man, it's some strong stuff in James chapter 1. If you want to, you know, hit you between the eyes, chap, or even book, the whole book of James, really. But there's this verse in James chapter 1, verses 19. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. But why does it happen? What, what goes on for us? I think in part it's because we've elevated the truth above Jesus himself. We focus on the truth more than we focus on Jesus. We focus on being right, which is about us, rather than focusing on Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong, truth is really important. I'm not saying it's not. But you can have truth without righteousness. You can't have righteousness without truth. We make truth the end game. It's the pinnacle. But it's actually not. The end game is the fruit of truth. It's the point of truth. A lot of you will know this passage of scripture. It's from John 18, 31, 32. And it's uh, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's freedom that is the end game. It's freedom that is the, tr- the, the fruit of truth. It's the point beyond the revelation of the truth. It's what it leads to is freedom. And I believe that's where we need to put our focus. I think we take too much on board ourselves sometimes. We need to introduce people to the truth. But the truth has a name and his name is Jesus. We need to introduce people to Jesus and let Jesus take care of them. We don't need to be the ones to step into that space. It's not our responsibility. John chapter 16 and verse 13 says this. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. It's our job to be obedient, but not necessarily to be responsible for that truth. You know, I think religion has played a really big part in where we tend to find ourselves in terms of this right and wrong. Because religion puts law in front of relationship. It's often about rules and regulations. And in that space, we care more about being right, not righteous, than we care about the other person. You know, I had an experience, a number of you guys know parts of my journey um, and I, I've shared little bits before about uh, when my marriage broke down. So I was 26 when my marriage broke down. We had only been married about three years. And as a 26-year-old, a 26-year-old girl who's been dreaming about marriage her entire life, as we tend to do, and all of my dreams and hopes in front of me came crashing down in a pile of horrible, horrible mess. There was a third party involved. And so, yeah, 
I was messy. There's no other way to describe it. I remember lying on the floor in the fetal position, crying for days. And in that space, can I tell you, two of the closest people in the world, one of them said to me, it's such a shame you'll never be a mother. And the other one said, you're too young to spend the rest of your life alone. And they said it based on their theology because they believed that marriage was once only forever under no circumstances ever could there be another way. You know, sometimes we need to lay down the right to be right for the sake of the other person. I'm not saying to compromise. I'm really not. I'm just saying sometimes that there's a choice to be made. And being right isn't the end game. You know, Jesus did this frequently. But he perhaps did it most clearly in Mark chapter 14 and 15, as we've been reading in the last couple of weeks. As Jesus faced his trial that was just illegal on every front. He was falsely accused. The trial was illegitimate. And he would have been right to out Judas, to protest the trial, to avoid the excruciation and humiliation of the cross. He would have been right. But for the sake of us, he laid down those rights and he chose the cross. You know, I think one of the biggest things in this whole space is the question of proximity. Being up close and personal with people changes us. It doesn't change the truth. The truth doesn't change. But what changes is how we deliver it. When we are close to people, when we care about people, how we deliver the truth changes. I want to ask you a question. Have we got any road rages amongst us? I love it. Confession time, peeps. Yep, yep. Okay. So none of you are going to believe the story I'm about to tell you. But um, it's not, it might, it's not going to surprise you to know that uh, Darren and I spend a considerable amount of time on the phone. And quite often that time on the phone is while he's in the car driving between jobs. And every now and then, the passionate man that he is and the encouraging man that he is, there's somewhat of an outburst on the phone about somebody who might have cut him off or not failed to indicate or isn't going fast enough. And there's a few descriptive words that tend to come from his mouth in those moments. One of them happened this week while we were, we were talking in, in preparation for this week. And I said to him, you know what? I said, if that was Noel, how would you have responded? I said, if Noel cut you off, like, probably, with a smile though, hey, right? And there'd be a phone call and there'd be jokes and there'd be, like, it'd be completely different. Because the point is when we know people, when we are close to people, our responses change. They naturally change. Who's ever found themselves caught up in a Facebook argument, even unintentionally? Has anyone ever? Am I the only silly bunny? Yeah, yeah. And you don't tend to do it, you know, on purpose. I got caught up in one about prostitution one day. There was a Today Tonight or one of those shows did a, a like a high class escort 
clip and it was the what gets called the pretty woman syndrome which is based around the movie pretty woman and that prostitution is glamorous and fantastic and wonderful and and whatever else and and so I found myself in a little bit of a debate about this in this website man wow I don't think you've been in an argument until you've been in a Facebook argument (laughs) you know like it's just radical but why is it so it's because we don't care about nameless faceless people It's when we're close to people, when we have relationship, that our responses change and our responses soften. You know, the old saying, the truth hurts, it is largely true. But I want to tell you today that it actually doesn't have to be that way. Have you ever had an encounter when somebody has told you the truth and it's actually been a good positive experience? I have. Few hands, yeah. It's it's so good. You know, I had an encounter with somebody earlier this year, somebody in the Catalyst family, who completely and utterly disagreed with me about something. I had no idea that they disagreed about this thing. I had no idea that it had caused them so much pain and grief. And they came and they sat down. And can I tell you, I have never felt so loved, so respected, so honoured, so appreciated as I felt in that conversation. And I walked away from it going, oh my goodness, wow. That's what the body is meant to look like. That is what it's meant to feel like when we approach each other in truth and in love, is to walk away from something that could have been hostile, could have been, like I understood the pain and the anger and the upset and the, all of that. It was messy. I, I won't deny it, it was messy. But I was amazed at the fruit of it and the, my respect for this person went off the charts. And my appreciation for them was just, it's amazing. And it's absolutely possible. I don't mind telling you that I voted no in the plebiscite. But I can't tell you that without telling you in the same breath that it caused me a lot of pain to do so. And there's a reason. My brother and his partner, 25 years together. One of the most amazing couples I actually know. Love them dearly. And I know that for them, my vote breaks their hearts. That they would want for me to vote yes for their sake. And there's a pain and there's a grief that I, I felt I couldn't do that. That I needed to make my own decision. And I want to ask you this morning, doesn't matter what direction you voted... I want to know if it hurt. No matter what position you took, did it actually hurt to make that choice? Because if it didn't, I want to suggest to you that there's actually something missing in your life. There's a relationship that's missing. You're too distant from the heartbeat of the issue. It's too black and white because the issue doesn't have a name, a face or a heart. It's just a random person. You know, it doesn't matter what the issue is. Right here, right now, we're talking about same-sex marriage. But it doesn't matter if perhaps it's abortion. Because I'd be saying to you, do you know somebody who's trying to live with the pain of killing their own child? What about euthanasia? That's another one that's up for debate. 
Do you know somebody who lives with chronic pain every waking moment of their life and they just want it to end? Hear me well, the truth doesn't change. But how we deliver the truth changes based on how we connect with people and how we love people. And I believe this is why we need to be a community of Jesus followers on mission together, out in the community, loving people who are different from us so that we aren't in danger of becoming a holy huddle, self-righteous or dare I even say pharisaical. We need to be intentional in our response. And that's part of the reason for the sailor this morning is take the time to be intentional about how we're going to respond and how we're going to show up. There's a number of responses that we can make in this space. I'd like to suggest that often less is more. You know, Jesus was pretty good at this one. One of my absolute favorite stories is the woman caught in adultery. Man, Jesus is good in this one. You know, there's the woman who's caught in adultery and they bring her to Jesus and they're like, we can stone her because she's been caught in adultery. What do you say, Jesus? And Jesus says, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Funnily enough, everyone walked away. Actions speak louder than words. What we choose to do means more than what we say. How we choose to position ourselves. You know, scripture backs this up in um, 1 John chapter 3. Verses 16 to 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. You know, humility is another big one in this space. I can't tell you (laughs) the number of times that I thought I knew the truth about something only to discover down the track, sometimes years down the track, that my understanding was incorrect. You know, passion got in the way and I was just so sure that I was right about that thing. And God's come along and he's often, you know, put that lesson back around in front of me and gone, ha ha, remember that one? Humility is a big deal because as we grow, so does our understanding so does our maturity, and so our responses change. So staying humble is a big deal. The other thing is that we need to pray. We really need to pray. We need to pray for God to break our hearts for what breaks his. We sing those words a lot, and I know for a lot of people in this place, those words have deep meaning. Um, But we need to pray. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for our community and we need to pray for our nation because no matter what the outcome is on Wednesday, this is actually just, I was going to say it's the first chapter. We're probably a few chapters in on various other things, but you know, it's just a chapter. There's more, there's going to be more. So pray for maturity, pray for unity in the body. I'm a bit of a Casting Crowns fan. I think their lyrics are amazing. One day I'm going to make a list of all their one-liners. They're just super profound. But there's this one that often grabs me. And it says, The only way we'll ever stand is on our knees with lifted hands. 
make us courageous. And that's really my prayer into this space. I think that's the posture that we need to take, is we need to stand on our knees with our arms raised to God and intercede for our nation and intercede for the church and for those around us. So guys, we want to show up in the world the way that Jesus did. We want people to be changed by an encounter with us for the better, not for the worse. We don't want to leave a bitter taste in their mouth. The truth doesn't change. Let me be clear. The truth doesn't change, but how we deliver it changes. And the truth has a name, and his name is Jesus. And that's where we want to be. We want to be introducing people to Jesus, to the truth personified. I don't think that there's anything new that I've actually said this morning. I think for a lot of you, you probably know most of what I've shared. But as I said earlier, we really wanted to create a sailor moment to pause and reflect on what God is saying to us as a community in this time and this space, how he wants to shape our hearts and our response. And I would just encourage you to be asking God, what is the response that he's laying on your heart in this space this week? Like before the week begins, before the moment arrives, to be intentional about that and ask God what it is that he is saying to you. Maybe there's conversations that you've had in this space that you might need to go back and actually pour some love on, pour some grace on. Maybe there's areas where we need to actually lay down the right to be right and allow God to move in that space. Father, I just want to thank you so much, Lord. I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you for Jesus. I want to thank you for the way that he showed up in the earth. Lord, for the way that he touched people's lives and the way that he changed them. And Lord, I want to ask, Father, that we would be a people like that. Lord, that our encounters with people, our connections with people would leave them changed. That there would be a deposit of your spirit that is left behind. And so, Father, I thank you that you are a living, speaking God. And I pray that you would come now and that you would speak to your people. Father, that you would come and that you would show us, Lord God, individually in our own circumstances, in our own families, in our own friendship circles, how it is that you want for us to respond in this space, how you would want for us to represent you and represent your heart for people well. Thank you, Lord.